Welcome to another edition of Cloud Unfiltered. I'm your host, Michael Chenitz, and this is a special edition at KubeCon Europe. And today I have my amazing guests, and I, you know, I'll let you pronounce your name because I would, would just butcher it. So, all right, my name is Vito. Okay. Yeah. And, and Courtney, who I've known for quite a while now, and we've we become yeah. friends. Yeah. And yeah. so, thank you for coming on the show. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Really excited to be here. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I'm I'm excited to have you guys. You know, I always have such great conversations with you guys. Just just whenever <laughs> I see you in the booth, <laughs> that I figured you know that would probably translate well to the show too. So, um, you know, I think that what you guys are doing is really, really cool. Like, so, so a little background on how this got started is that, you know, I've been in the Kubernetes space for a long time. And uh, at Cisco, we actually had a Kubernetes called Intersight Kubernetes Service. So while I was at in using Intersight Kubernetes Service, I was looking for easy ways to like show people how to use Kubernetes. And I really wanted, and I thought about this for a long time, I wanted like the IDE for Kubernetes. And, you know, like things could kind of do it. Like if you use VS Code a little bit later on, they kind of give you a plugin that could kind of do some of the formatting, but it really was very basic. And so I stumbled onto this thing called Monocle. Did I pronounce that right? You did. Okay. <laughs> I always Absolutely. assume that's the right way, but, you know, <laughs> and, um, you know, and, and I was like, oh, this is exactly what I've been looking for, you know, and, and it really started, it's evolved over the time. So, so it started out as I think, I mean, you could tell it better, but I, but I, but I think that it started out as kind of like this, this basic IDE, but then it's transformed into this whole thing about pipelines and doing it and checking security and doing all these other things. So why don't you take it from like, what's the history and like, where did it start and where, and where is it now? Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, I think the best way to explain that is that um, our, our CTO actually came up with the idea and he was working with Kubernetes YAML manifest and he was thinking it shouldn't be this hard, yes. right? And it's even the basic things, like you have a service and a deployment and you need to get the app selector right, but there is nothing that actually helps you to do that. So that's a bit the idea that it started with, like let's add in these resource links and editing capabilities like JSON schema validation. And from there on, it kind of kept evolving, like how can we keep making it easier to work with Kubernetes YAML resources? And that's kind of like where the validation pipeline came to play. Yeah, no, and, and I think that that's, you know, that's what was really interesting. And, and, and later on, I don't, I don't know if this was originally, maybe it was even originally, um, you know, the cool thing that I saw was that once you started to like declare a YAML file, if it had a dependency, you could actually like click on that and it would like link to the other dependency that's in there, which was really neat because you don't always know how these things match up. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, oh, this is this is amazing. You know, you could actually like link from one thing to the other. And and it's uh, it's super easy to see how they're related because it's very easy to like define something in one of those files. Like I define a service and I define a, you know, um, a, a, a distribution or, you know, uh, and, and all these different things. And uh, I mean, a deployment, not distribution. I'm thinking of too many things here. <laughs> uh, a deployment and, um, you know, and. It's just you never really know how it's how it's built, how it's linked together. So I think that was really cool that you guys did that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and when you actually think about it, the first time I saw the functionality, I thought like, why didn't this exist yet? <laughs> if you look at any other programming language, you have these opportunities to go to like the definition or references so that you can easily navigate your tree. And something for like complex as Kubernetes doesn't have that. And by uh, kind of like solving that problem, you make it a bit easier. Um, yeah. 
No, and it's it, the concept really is that it's a manifest aware IDE, right? So many IDEs, it's they're really built for developers, and Kubernetes isn't really a developer thing. Yeah. That's now pushing into ops, and so for teams that are struggling with DevOps, right? And and there's still that question around: Is it a culture? Is it a person? Is it, is it both? Um, when when there's still that question, it means this is something that people are still truly struggling with, or yeah. it wouldn't be such a big question. And I think it probably is something different for everyone, depending on where you are and how things work. But there is that gray area of these pre-deployment tasks that sometimes fall to devs, sometimes fall to ops. Ops people aren't really big IDE users, but they do need to be able to configure their YAML, and especially if you configure a resource and you sneeze, and oh my gosh, there's a space. You didn't realize it happened because <laughs> YAML's happens. like that, right? <laughs> and then you you think you have everything done, and all of a sudden you think, oh my gosh, it's not, it's not working, it's not working. And the daunting task of looking through all those files to find your space and think, Where, when did I sneeze? Um, <laughs> maybe that's where the, the problem is. So that's that's what Monocle really facilitates those things, but also draws attention to what is such a basic concept and everybody is aware. If your manifests aren't configured, they will not communicate with Kubernetes. So you've had this team that's done all this work for your web app to get it ready to go, but if you don't start with the first step of configuring everything, making sure it's all validated, it, it's not going anywhere. Um, and and it doesn't matter whose task it is, Monocle helps them do it, right? It has IDE and it has visibility of all of your resources and, and makes it a lot easier to do. And you can add, uh, you know, for, tell me if I'm wrong, but I think you can add like policies on top of that to really enforce certain things or at least showcase certain things. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we've, we've got this very cool um, web browser IDE, which starting to catch on uh, the whole concept of a web browser IDE, but it does policy enforcement. We all know the grumpy guy who accepts all of your PRs, right? And he's just overworked, and he's the most seasoned, and he's got a criteria, and nobody really knows it because he's so vocal, right? <laughs> um, and and in using Monocle, uh, you can program your OPA validation. You can make sure that everybody knows what Grumpy Guy's criteria is so that he's not so grumpy. Is that Grumpy Guy right this, here? Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is the grumpy, adorable version of, of Grumpy Guy. Let's call him Grump. Right? So it, it makes sure that, that you're keeping him a lot happier and getting through that final part of your process as well, of getting your PR accepted. Um, because everybody's using the same criteria and can visually see that that the doc the boxes have been ticked off. Yeah, and it's really nice because you can actually see it in the YAML itself. Like you could see like it underlines, it shows things. It's very visual. And to me, I'm a visual person. I like to I like to be able to interact with things. You know, so you know, obviously, um, you know, there's 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 different ways of interacting. Uh, some people, you know, need very, very graphical environments. Some people need text environments. Some people, and this kind of merges the two, which is kind of yeah. nice, you know, because you have a little bit of both. And <laughs> one of the nice thing of having these things underlined and working with these validation rules is uh, we know that we don't read documentation, right? And what's uh, documentation? What is documentation <laughs> exactly? We write pages and pages, but actually, uh, like you just try to get the tasks done as quickly as possible. So you want to find the thing that is relevant for you. Now, what a validation rule does is, it, like you say, it underlines your problem, and when you hover it, it gives context to the problem. It describes actually why this is a problem and how you solve this. So by, over time, fixing these bugs one by one, you actually learn more context about what each of these properties mean. 
for example, security context is like very like unknown for the developer who starts sure. like trying to get something in production, like beyond the development setup. But it's like very intimidating. Once you start really? like fixing, <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, but once then you start like fixing these things, you start to know what it is. And yeah. if you have to debug stuff, you have to talk with the Kubernetes API server, and you get back these deployments anyway. Now you see the security context, and it's no, no longer so intimidating because you've already been introduced to them over time. Yeah, and I totally agree. And I know it's not your probably not your key intent to be a learning tool, but honestly, it is a really good learning tool, and that's one of the things reasons why I am keen to use it and stuff I do when I showcase other things because I think it's a really good way to get into Kubernetes, you know, because you have a little bit less of that barrier of, of having to understand everything. And honestly, and this is kudos to you guys is I've never run the read the documentation on Monocle. You know, I've just kind of <laughs> I just kind of ran it and it was very intuitive to use. So it's like, you know, and, and by the way, this is open source, right? The Monocle yeah. open source. And I mean, there is a cloud version, which which is, you know, everybody has to make money somehow. But but this is, you know, this is um, totally, you know, you could use this. You can consume this any way you want, you know, and really be part of whatever you do. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and we have a lot of team leads that come, a, and they really what they like the most about Monocle is that we have this template system. I, I was going to get right? there, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. you've got this template system. Nobody somebody wrote wants... a template once. Yeah, somebody <laughs> did. Somebody <laughs> did and made me feel validated <laughs> in my job of growing awareness. Still so grateful I, I, to I you know, for that. I don't know who did that. No, my first. <laughs> three months in the job and I'm thinking am I speaking to the void I have no idea if there's just being impactful and all of a sudden this guy named Mike shows up with a project on GitHub and I'm like oh my gosh totally felt validated at that moment and and just every time I see you I just can't help but thank you it's the best the best no experience worries. I mean I love to I love to support projects that, that I feel passionate about so you know I've always felt passionate about Monocle yeah and, and I think it's it's amazing no he's really appreciate really appreciate the support but yeah templates get it just makes it kubernetes more accessible um those first steps so we do have a lot of team leads that come to us and it doesn't matter a what's going on they're like look i've got a mixed bag of knowledge levels i've got a bunch of people on my team they really struggle um these templates are fantastic because they don't really have to know too much yaml mm -hmm. it's pretty intuitive turns out we do love yaml so you don't have to so you put in a couple of, it, fill in a couple of fields, it click, and it creates any resource that you need, so you can actually start getting your app into production. Yeah, and and to, to that note, you know, it's it's kind of like what people have been doing for years, but in a harder way, because really what you're doing is typically you'll you'll export some other one that you find or, or from the command line, or you will go to the Kubernetes site and you'll you'll get a snippet, you'll copy yeah. it in, you'll modify it. And then, and then you'll use that. But instead of having to go through all that, you could just use the template and just fill in the little items that you need and boom, you're and done. And you're off and running. You're off, you're and off running. to the races. And, and even if you don't step. do the template, one of the nice things is is that uh, it automatically, like if you know kind of what the, what the language you're looking for is, it will automatically fill that in. So even if you're not using a template, if, if you know, you know, after a while, you, just, you, you know, of, of using the templates, you'll probably get to know like where those things are. So it might actually be faster not to use the template, but just start typing because you know those things. Exactly. So you have that option of either using a template or not, and you can create your own templates and do all things like that. And so it's re you know it's really neat that you can have that kind of 
flexibility. Yeah, and again, <laughs> it's an IDE, so you can edit all of your all of your resources as well. Yeah. It, it makes it a lot easier to, to get things done. You're not using plugins, leaving one tool to go to another. You don't have to use a whole batch work of things to get to get things done because we have we have other functionalities as well. You can preview your Helm and customize outputs. See the relationship of your resources from there as well. Um, so it just makes further, right because yeah, we're talking absolutely. now about the beginning of the life cycle yes. where you want to create the the manifest, but we also have actually have a cluster mode where you can connect absolutely. your cluster. That's where I was going next. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're just riding your way here. Yeah, it's it's really what Monocle allows us to to go over the whole life cycle within yeah. one tool. Uh, you start with the templates, you do the validation and like uh, the templating, like Courtney just said, and after that you can. Deploy it and start looking if everything went well with the cluster mode. Um, and there you can check the locks, you can shell into it if needed, and we give a lot of possibilities to kind of like see if everything worked out well. But not, not even only that. I mean, it connects to your like Git pipeline and stuff like that. And you could you could check it in, and you could verify, and you could just pull in all the cluster YAMLs, and you could mm -hmm. you could see how see how they're they're written, and then you could check and you can version them and do all these other kinds of things that are really important for for when you want to do this to production. Yeah, and you can diff anything, which diff, is yeah, which is absolutely. something that is is really cool, and and people seem to to really love. But you can you can diff to clusters. You can diff with what's on main what's in a branch, what's on your local with what's active. You, you can diff, literally, you can diff to Helm chart outputs. Um, so it gives you full visibility of, of what's actually going on and the relationships between things that you know if you need to call a service is already deployed or not. Just really facilitates and streamlines that process. By the way, uh, for my listeners, Courtney always tells me she's non-technical, but this is the mo <laughs> this is this is, this is non-technical. I don't know what it is, <laughs> no. you know, because this is so technical. <laughs> this is awesome, you know. Like I, I don't think you give yourself enough credit. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I've got Wito who explains all kinds of things, and I'm like, I don't get it. And he's like, Okay, the most patient colleague around, super helpful. Well, no, it seems no, that no. I've explained things, and think you pick it up fast. She picks it up so fast. Yeah, you can explain. <laughs> Well. She's actually very technical now. She just exactly. does not give herself enough credit. She just doesn't realize no. it. No. <laughs> not at all. I learned with Monocle. There you go. Honestly, I'd never done a Kubernetes a manifest, and now I kind of get how it's all supposed to work. Yeah, no, I mean, you do it. It really is a great learning resource, you guys. You yeah. know, that's that's one element that you really should promote that it's, and I don't know if you do. I haven't, full disclosure, I haven't looked at the website in a little that's bit. All so. right. That's all right. That's all right. But yeah, no, I think it's awesome for that. Great. That's, a, yeah. Well, it is. Look at, look at me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, so, so how do you, you know, first of all, how do you envision, you know, from, from start to finish, like, what do you, what would be in your mind the perfect way to use Monaco? I mean, I know there's so many ways, but like, if you had to almost think like, where do you start? Where do you end? How do you like life cycle it? What do you do? Like what what is the what is the preferred way or or is there a preferred way of using Monocle? Or is that the thing? It's just no uh, preferred way. I think <laughs> there indeed like we offer a lot of tools and, and yeah. while the, I can easily describe a way, which I will in a bit, I yeah. think the nice thing about Monocle is that you can kind of do it in any way you want. Yeah. Uh, even with like the helm or Customize. We don't have opinions about it, and it's actually one of the reasons why we validate on the Kubernetes YAML manifest themselves, because then you do it like just before you apply it to the cluster, and what you do before that, it's all up to you. 
But yeah. one way you could tackle it is you make templates and you can make templates about anything, right? If you, whether you want to use Helm, customize or like just vanilla Kubernetes manifest, you can do all of them, but you bootstrap them instead of copy pasting, you share all of that with your team and it becomes very easy to bootstrap an application or a new microservice. After that, I mean, every microservice has its own needs, so you start like modifying it a bit. If you make mistakes, the validation will again help you out, and you can use the preview functionality to see if everything like is how it's supposed to be. Um, we also don't have functionality to deploy it like manually. Um, I know a lot of people like the GitOps philosophy, and, and our cloud is there to help with that. But we can also just apply it to local cluster, and then immediately you connect to the cluster mode to see what actually happened. You do all of that without even leaving the, the same like window, like yeah. compared to like a, a variety of like tools and sure. CLI programs that you have to stitch together. All of that can be done like with a monocle now. Yeah, and I think that's a big thing. Is is you know we, we always we constantly talk about this tool sprawl that's that's out there, and really what people are looking for now is ways to simplify that tool chain and simplify what's being done. And and you know and I say this every time, people are definitely going to get tired of this, uh, but I say this every time <laughs> that the you know there's you know think of the person coming in to, to this Kubernetes world right now. You know we've all kind of grown with it, but but somebody coming in. Yeah. That that you know mm -hmm. that doesn't know any of this, it's got to be really overwhelming. So anything that'll make it less overwhelming is is very welcomed. Well, we've seen a lot of really positive feedback from platform engineering folks as well because it is a tool that kind of does bridge a gap, and there's a lot of different things offered, and it's a suite of tools at the end of the day. It's really we have our desktop tool, which is fully open source, that gives you loads of different use cases that are great. We've got our cloud IDE, which does some fantastic things as well. The browser IDE tools is growing very quickly, but we also have a CLI because if you don't, um, you're losing an entire subset of people that are only CLI lovers. True. We love YAML, they love CLI, full respect there, right? So you can leverage a suite of tools to do all different things and cover loads of use cases. And for platform engineers, it is something that's like, look, this is a tool that we can give our team. We know that everybody's using it, but it's flexible enough to allow them to leverage it in different ways. And, and they seem really pleased with that. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, that that's 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 the key is is you know when when I think about you know I've been in product management and things like that for years so when I think about um, different uh, applications especially in the dev you know DevOps and IT ops realm is is how do you bridge that gap and the the problem is is that there's a different type of consumption that that each one of those kind of people you know wants. So you have to kind of build for both, <laughs> yes. because like you know the DevOps people, we want to check in things. We want to we want to make a pipeline. We want to make sure it's repeatable. We don't care about that nice shiny you know kind of window that looks really great. Mm -hmm. But somebody in IT ops might want to verify or look at something or, or or do something. And so you kind of have to bridge that gap because there's you know it's just like if we speak different languages. We we have to figure out you know well what language is common or, or or how do we how do we have a translator in between that can that can you know but talk you about those back things. to the DevOps conundrum right yeah. <laughs> to speak in different languages still and so we we do we try to bridge that gap and yeah. and be something that's going to be useful for everyone no matter what is going on and who needs to use it so that they're all speaking a similar language at least in in the tasks that that we're able to cover. Yeah, no that totally makes sense. And one of the things that we do to to actually help bridge that gap is what Monaco Cloud is actually trying to achieve. 
Um, we have uh, an integration with the GitHub bot there, and um, where it's a good like handover between those two worlds. You have on one hand the developers who make these pull requests, and on the other hand, often the platform engineers that have to review these. But we now actually want to put that power more a bit in the hands of the developers again. And that is where that validation comes to play. We already have like the support for uh, community plugins uh, for the validation, but we're also working on private validators and platform engineers can use that to kind of encode their knowledge. Hmm. If you have a problem happening twice, we say like make a rule for it and at that point include it in your pipeline. Now you don't always need to keep your eye very close on that pull request because you know that the things that you want checked can be manually in there. Um, so yeah, I mean, what what is the, that's a good question now, you know, Going into that is is what's the differentiator between like the this might be a tough you know I always I always think no that was, no uh, we came here for <laughs> fun <laughs> no but I mean is there what's what's the what's the like why would somebody want to go to the the cloud version yeah so uh, the desktop version focuses a bit more on the cluster part because sure. we can really interact with the kubectl there so what does then the cloud version do separately well we also have the validation and we have the editing okay. but on top of that we interact closely with your GitOps workflows gotcha. and we try to meet the people where they are because we know that if you just say like here's a new tool start using it to <laughs> like uh, ensure the policies are compliant like, yeah, yeah. people will not go and check that but if like it, it meets you in your pull request it becomes very easy so the way that we do that actually is we augment your pull requests with a comment that gives you a lot of help and what can that help mean um, if you have a helm like a like a Helm template or a customized overlay that you want to build, you actually only see the changes of the source files. You don't see mm. the actual Kubernetes manifest that come out. We have a simple link, and if you click that, we will, in the browser, create the previews of these templates, and you compare what will actually be deployed. That's cool. And that's very cool. Yeah, that is cool. Is, indeed. <laughs> now, and you can communicate with your teammates. So you upload your project for your repo, and then you add the people on your team who are working on that particular project, so that everybody, again, is speaking the same language and, and sees and has the same visibility of different things so they can collaborate and, and do their tasks better. But also with the policy thing, and, and I, I repeat it all the time, are you are you validating your policies in cluster? And people are like, yeah, of course. And I'm like, then what's the point? <laughs> right? So with Monocle, it's one of those things that you can do them before you even send them off into That's deployment, cool. right? And because otherwise, what's the point? You're, you've now sent something that really shouldn't be there, and you're doing something after the fact. Monocle totally pushes that left, and, and you really are validating your policies before they go into, into a production line. So... That's a, a huge advantage. And again, one less task that you have to do because you did it beforehand. And now it's there and you can you can spend your time looking at other things in your cluster. Yeah, no, and I think that makes sense because, you know, there's certain things that you want to do before and then there's certain things you want to do in your pipeline and then there's certain things yeah. you want to do, you know. So so I think it makes sense. You know, I, I believe in doing things where they make sense to you. And, 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 and the thing is, is that... You know, everybody thinks that it's 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 has to be done the same way, but it's no. not. Everything is a choice, exactly. and there is no right way of doing it. It's a matter of where you think it makes sense to do it because of your use case, 
and your yeah, and and what you're doing. Your business needs and the talent <laughs> yeah. on your team, yeah, and and whether you're you're working in an office or everyone's remote, <laughs> depending on what time zone they're in. Yeah. Which is kind of one of the things Cube Shop were constantly yeah. like, wait, where do you live? Oh my gosh. <laughs> and then somebody goes on holiday and there's two weeks of daylight savings. Nobody knows where anybody is, right? But those things those things are all things that affect your pipeline. And they're yeah. human issues, right? They're they're really not technical issues there. They're human issues and and so as we as we build Monocle, we try to keep those things in mind as well. It make things less impactful on the human side so that everything and everyone can function much much easier, much more fluidly. And, and I believe in that. I believe in focusing on what what is the solution to the human issue back into a tool that you create for that. Because really, you know, we're all humans here, I hope. But, uh, <laughs> so far. So, so far. far. Maybe AI in a few more years, but we'll see. <laughs> or maybe we're all AI. We're, we're just all a big AI experiment. Who knows? I think but. there's an experiment that needs to happen to replica set human beings, <laughs> yeah. right? So one of me can be taking a nap yeah, while the yeah. other one's out having Especially some fun. Especially when you fun. have kids. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> No, but but yeah, I mean, I think the best tools focus on humans, you know, you know, and and really because tools are just that they're tools and they're supposed to help you accomplish something, you know, but if they don't do that good, then they're really hard or they don't fit into it. Well, if they do it really good, you don't even realize they're doing it because they're doing it so well that it was like, that's it. You did that, you know. No, so. you're explaining it to somebody. Well, I just did this and this and this, and they're like, "That's it. You didn't. You don't have to do anything else. Yep. No, this tool helps me." There's do like the rest that of aha it. moment, you know? Yeah, like, the you know, wow moment. Yeah, the wow moment. That was, you know? oh, that was fast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I love that, you know, and and I do believe your tool has that. By the way, I think that that's that's something to credit for 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 what you guys are doing. It's there's nothing else out there that that, that does that. I mean, it's there there are other tools that that work with Kubernetes, but they do it in a different way. They're not bad or bad, you know, good or bad. It's just they're different. You know, yeah. they, they have a different purpose, different, you know, and and you know, so. And there's a tool for everyone, yeah. right? That's, that's kind of the the one thing about Kubernetes, and people are like, "Oh, it's so complex," but that means that there is a tool for everyone that fits everyone's pipeline and everybody's yeah. team needs, and and everyone's human needs as well. So um, I'm glad that that Monocle is something that that fits fits in your world as well because it's great. I, th- I do great have to hear. say, I think it would fit in a lot of people's worlds. I think that. You know, I still talk to people about it, and I still say, like, have you ever tried Monocle? And, and a lot of people still say, I've never heard of that. Mm-hmm. And so hopefully, hopefully this will get <laughs> out there a little bit more for you guys. But, but you know, it's it's a tool I rely on every day. And I'm not just saying this. I mean, it's on my – it's on my la- – where's my – my laptop's over there. But <laughs> it's on my laptop, and I use it. It automatically updates. It does it very well. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, it does do that. I always look at the new functions and, uh-huh. and get the get the uh, you put nice release notes, which is very very thankful for that. Some some people just like update, and it's like I don't know what what was new, you know. But <laughs> something changed here. I'm not something sure what it was. changed. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's great to hear that that it is useful for you every day because that's that's what we're going for, right? Is yeah, to yeah. Be, be something that's helping people get through their daily daily life and make it easier. Yeah, yeah, and and my life's very complex, so you don't. You don't wanna, <laughs> I don't even want to get into that, but not as complex that's as that guy. Another show. But... That's for that's for another another episode. That's a totally episode. different different show. That's not cloud unfiltered. <laughs> that's a different unfiltered. <laughs> that's a yeah. I don't, I don't even know what show that would be, but we'll see. <laughs> um, but but yeah. So so I think you guys are doing really interesting stuff. What what do you think's next on the on the horizon for for what you guys are doing? 
Yeah, so for cloud, we're really going to focus on policies and more like to, uh, if you have a lot of repositories and teams that collaborate with each other, it becomes difficult to manage actually these validation rules. They get out of sync because you change them in one place but not in the other, and it would be just nice if you could manage them more centralized. Since we run in the cloud, we can actually lift that out of the repositories and manage that within our databases. And there the idea is then to be able to specify very flexible policies because we also know that there are exceptions to the rules and if your validation engine is not powerful enough you, you're kind of like continuously pestered by like these warnings that you know like that's not a warning but the tool just doesn't let me disable it right so we're kind of making all kinds of improvement to have more flexibility in which rules run on what uh, we were thinking about adding suppressions and all that kind of things and on the other hand we also have the cloud providers currently we only run on github uh, it's the first uh, provider that we chose simply because there was the most traction there. Sure. Uh, but now we're trying to expand to others. We're looking into GitLab, uh, both cloud and server, uh, but also others like you have Azure, like DevOps and etc. Like there's yeah, yeah. like dozens of them. So <laughs> the idea is now to slowly start increasing that span uh, so more people can start using us. What about you know uh, you know everybody's concerned with like supply chain security right now? Have we have we thought about like you know using expanding that out or just providing plugins so other people can connect in or you know? Yeah, you know. I already briefly touched upon the custom plugins. Yeah, and yeah. there uh, we're actually like here meeting a lot of people who write custom operators <laughs> and so on. And uh, then I'm like, oh yeah, but you can use us to very easily make a plugin for this. Yeah, yeah. And so I was like taking up my laptop. Yeah. I said like, look how easy it is. And I was like in five minutes, I was like, here, here you have it. Because actually when you try to make one of these plugins, uh, we have a dev server that connects with our platform. And while you are editing your custom rules, you already see them appearing in the editor. That's so nice. you can very easily get feedback there because we know that it's the platform engineer that has to write these rules. And often like these extensions, they forget developer experience for that. It's yeah. like, uh, but th th those are our main users actually. We're here for the platform engineers to make it easier to, to manage all this complexity. So. But it falls our stance with the, the ease of making these custom plugins. Yeah, that's why, I mean, we were talking because we have a lot of open source, you know, security mm -hmm. plugins. And I think it would be, I mean, security tools. And I think it'd be yeah. cool to have a plugin for, for Monocle. And it's just in my mind of like, what can, what can I do with that, you know? Mm -hmm. So so thinking about doing that and like being able to add those, those those because those tools are open source too for like, you know, for, for Kubernetes and for, you know, vulnerabilities around there and for, you know, uh, APIs and serverless and, and all this other kind of stuff, it'd be cool to be able to, you know, uh, plug that in at exactly. least where it makes sense. Yes. That's true. <laughs> More work for you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, probably. I mean, because I probably have to Updating take that. the roadmap there. <laughs> yeah. You can already see his mind going, okay, when could we put that in? May, June. Yeah. That's the nice thing about KubeCon. You're like, oh, yeah, we can do that, and we can do that, and we can do that. Now, next week, we have a list to go through, and then yep. we make sure that all of that Believe gets me, in I've, there. I've been, I, I'm in roadmap meetings all the time, so I, yeah. I, I feel your pain. All the time. Yeah, no, and this one, we've had so much feedback. It's been fantastic. But also... Um, Helm users, people are like, oh, you can see Helm. And you, can, you, can you add this to Helm? Can you add that to Helm? Right? It's, it's a problem mm -hmm. for everyone. Um, and and it's a good problem for us to have, right? Yeah, yeah. That people are like, this is super helpful. Now can you do this? And now can you do that? So. Yeah, and to me, I mean, I, then, I, then I start to think about, like, operators. Okay, well, how do you expand to operators? Now you've added that operator. Right. Now does that, how does that chart work? <laughs> and now, you know, how does it automatically figure out what operator and the, and the API is there? And, you know, That's so. One of the challenges that we have as well, um, being open source, is that, and because Monaco is set up the way that it is, does so many things, but being able to take a step back and be like, okay, 
we need to focus here mm-hmm. and decide what we're going to go deep on yeah. first and yeah. then second and third. Yeah. And what are we solving in I feel like what I had order. this conversation a little bit, a little bit earlier. Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably because we're constantly like, oh, my gosh, what are we going to solve? How's this going to go? And, and so these types of events are, are fantastic. And you leave here with a thousand and one ideas, but then reeling that in and saying, okay, what are our resources? What's our actual roadmap? Um, and and it's it's really exciting, but but also uh, I could see your mind being like, okay, May June, if we have the same yeah, thing, yeah, then. <laughs> well, just to let you know, May twenty third is my birthday. So if you do oh, anything by then, you know right. that's that's a good date. We'll make a release present. just for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the release knows this one is dedicated this to my man. Happy birthday, Mike! Happy birthday, Mike! Open up your monocle and it's gonna go. Dude, it'd be like ASCII text or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great though. No, but I, I, I get you know that it's so hard and it, and it's funny because I had um, I had Shannon Williams and Darren Shepard on yesterday and they were you know the co-founders of Rancher. They started Acorn, um, and we were talking about like like how do you learn. What's like? How do you know who to listen to about what to bring into your product? Because that's the yeah. hardest thing. Because everybody has opinions, mm-hmm. and you know you don't know if it's the right opinion, if, if who, what context this is in. And they were like, "Yeah, you know what? The the best thing though is to listen to the people that didn't buy your product, the people that pick something else, find out why they pick something else, and that's actually sometimes they said the the, the better information than the people that do want to use your product. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, of course. Um, people who, who have a critical mind always are helpful. Sometimes they're hard to, to listen to and, yep. and and difficult pill to swallow. It's like, yeah. oh, no. Oh. Which also happens um, sometimes we, we do these things where we ask somebody, will you navigate the tool a little bit and so we can see like intuitively what's going on if we change the UX and those are so painful to yeah. watch. Right? I think like you spent like hours to make a nice user experience and then like they totally missed the ball. Yeah. Like, Damn like, it, oh. I should have reworked it again. But, but that but is the most very valuable yeah. because yeah. It, it should feel and I think that's what you meant when you tried a tool that uh, you didn't even read the documentation yeah. and that is because we spent all the time on making the user experience better yeah. and better with a tool that is so uh, flexible in what you can do with it, it often becomes difficult because it's so overloaded with functionality. Yes. But we try to spend a lot of time on user experience to make it feel like fluent to move from one to the other. That's key for me. You know, I, I uh, product design is very hard and I have we have UX designers that are really, really good at where, where mm-hmm. I work and I give them all the credit in the world because they, that experience yeah. is super hard to get right. And even if you think you do, there's always somebody who thinks differently, you know, yeah. and and the th- one, the funny thing is, is that once you do get it right, if you've changed that later on, you might lose a whole audience oh, oh, because yeah. it's like, you know, you change something and then, you know, all of a sudden yeah. people don't like it anymore. That's exactly. But like <laughs> it's it's like if you take somebody and you're like, oh, let me change around your VS code. Right. <laughs> it's like they have personalized it and yeah. what and, no, and they get used to it. This is my habit. And this is what I do. And this plug-ins. is my comfort <laughs> zone. Yeah, yeah. This is my safe space where I feel like I'm in control. And if you change the wrong thing, then that's exactly what happens. Like, yeah. oh, this doesn't feel like home anymore. I, this is, I'm going to go find something else. But Those even, are challenges. Even yeah. there, right? If you like really like Visual Studio Code and you're maybe put off by like something like Monaco Desktop, we still have the CLI for these people. And it's yeah. very easy to run that in Visual Studio Code. 
And then you also have the cloud platform, which like more links to your pull requests. So yeah, yeah. even for these people that really like Visual Studio Code and That's are not looking point. for something else, our tools still can augment your and make your workflows better. Are, I mean, I'm not not putting you on the spot here, but mm -hmm. I know you can use the CLI. Is, are there thoughts to, to like a VS Code plugin type thing, or is mm -hmm. that, um, or is it just uh, use the CLI? It's good, it works great. Well, we looked into it. The, the CLI it, it has the validation, and while you could put that in, uh, make it a bit prettier. The, the UI of the extension of Visual Studio Code is quite limited, and okay. the, the, the output of the CLI for now is quite good. So I think we'll leave it at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there has to be a reason to do it, obviously. Exactly. You know? yeah, exactly. And, and I've never tried to create a VS Code plugin, so I, <laughs> I have no idea what the capabilities are. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I think like uh, the difference between like why not an extension becomes clear when you start like browsing around through Monocle. We have like the ability to show graphs of your resources sure. because we already have that information. Yeah, that's from, hard to translate. Yeah, yeah. You, you cannot make something like that in Visual Studio Code. We yeah. also have uh, a validator that has a plugin system. Sure. Working with plugins in a plugin, that gets complicated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really complicated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and finally, we That's have the cluster mode, right? The yeah. cluster mode, that, uh, and, and there are cluster integrate like, extensions already to Visual Studio Code, but I, I, I try to use them, and I, I don't like the, the experience yeah. with that. Like with Monocle, you have like this empty drawing board in front yeah, of you, and sense. you can like make the user experience how it should be yeah. instead of being constrained to the limitations of Visual Studio Code. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And, yeah. and honestly, you know, different stuff for different different purposes, exactly. you know, so it doesn't all have to be in the same tool, you know, in my mind, you know, and I, and I use VS Code too, you know, I use VS Code for other things and I, I tend to use Monocle for creating all my, you know, YAML and, and connecting mm -hmm. to my clusters, so yeah. the right tool for the right job. For the right job, that's exactly <laughs> right, that's exactly right. So anyway, we're getting towards the end here. What I'd like to know is, uh, you know, I know you guys have been stuck in the booth for, for a bit, but you know, you've probably seen some of the, the um, show. Is there anything that's of interest to you? Like, what would you find really interesting? Maybe it's interactions, maybe it's technology, maybe it's something like, what was really, really neat about this show? Oh gosh, I think I have a handful of things. Obviously coming here, I, I was thinking I'm gonna be over overwhelmed by chat GPT plugins um, and was happy to see that I wasn't. There was some and just the right amount to make it yeah, super yeah. interesting without being like overwhelming. Although I think that was the punchline of thousands of jokes in the yes. after parties and rightly so, yep. it's very timely. Um, it was really nice to see that there is a lot that there were quite a few talks uh, about communities and that. how to make them actually helpful to people and and teach people how to get involved in the community that it's not a matter of making them or forcing them to actually use your tool or anything else. It's really a matter of we're here to learn together and have a space where you're sharing information and, and to see that there are more and more people taking interest in that, and, that. and understanding the the business value as well uh, because there there is so much business value to having a healthy community Absolutely. of people um, in your space and, and collaborating with other communities, right? It's not a, you're not competing in, in a community space. You're learning together. Yeah, um, that's the key. I think, yeah, and people are very willing to do that here. I mean, exactly. there's obviously, you know, as I said before, because we had Bart and, and uh, you know, and, and oh, Lisa yeah. and all those guys on the, the, the and Kim. The OG and, and, superstars <laughs> of community, they're yeah, amazing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we had everybody on the show and, um and Sharon, and uh, you know, so that was an amazing conversation. Actually, it was one of my more favorite conversations that I that I've had on this show. And we're actually, I think, we talked afterwards. So, little spoiler here, <laughs> we we're we, we're thinking of doing that, you know, repetitively, like talking about community and like bringing people in, like like having people interact with us and ask questions and have, feel free to ask those questions right. and feel free to, you know, 
try and engage because we want to promote that, you know, that that uh, inclusivity and, and, you know, make sure that everybody's included and, and be able to. I think there's <laughs> that. And there's also this is a space where you constantly talk to people and you're like, oh, my gosh, I don't know anything. Right. And you have these super seasoned veterans that are like me neither. It's not just you. <laughs> yeah. But you feel like it's yeah. just you. And community spaces are places where all of a sudden everybody has that feeling. And you're like, oh, I'm not alone. And Absolutely. we're and Turns out I don't need to know everything, and and that's what makes it inclusive, and and makes you willing to get out of your comfort zone and try to learn something new, yeah, right? Yeah. So I think that's that's probably the biggest value there is, um, because nobody's going to use a new tool or make technology easier or better or more inclusive if we're not willing to learn and and straight up say I, I have no idea what this is. Can somebody help me and and get help to understand it? So it was really nice to see that, and then but the surprising thing to me also was. <laughs> the environmental um, aspect and having so many talks about how cloud native space is affecting the environment and being a lot more um, conscientious of the technologies that we're building and making choices around how many clusters are we going to run and what is the consequence for that in, in the space around us. So those are the things that, for me, were kind of yeah, nice no, to I'm see on the Yeah, I'm actually getting agenda. involved with a, a few of the projects that are on sustainability right now. So, mm-hmm. so I'm, that's something that's dear to my heart, and I'm, I'm really um, you know, trying to get involved more in, in those areas, in those too. Areas. So any, any way I can help out there. So I think it's really cool, too. What about yourself? Well, for me, it was kind of a special edition of KubeCon because the first time that I was here, and that's like a, a very special time because like you always read about these people online and you like you know their names, but now you're like talking with them in person. Yep. And I think that was my favorite moment, like yeah. when you like started running into people and just having chats, and then you realize like they're just having the same problems that you are, and mm-hmm. uh, that's just a very uh, great experience. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. and also we were out one night, and just total anecdote here, but we were out one night and. and and we just nice and calm, just talking to this guy. And all of a sudden, he turns and he goes, he read my blog post. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, look at that. That's awesome. And I was like, look at you. And he's like, whoa. But that's something, you know, there's so many people on the technical side and the community side and the business side that are constantly creating content and writing mm-hmm. about things. And trying to be helpful, and and when you come across somebody that like actually took the effort and and found it, and it was useful to them, they tell you, "Oh, I was reading this thing," and they started to describe it, and he's like, "I, I think that's my blog post," <laughs> <laughs> and and that probably happens to a lot of people here, right? And, and that's great. Those yeah, connections I are. I, I was watching it happen. And I was like, "Oh, that's so, <laughs> so cool," because they're appreciating your your work and and your yeah. generosity on a different level, right? See, we don't put stuff out there just to like you know put stuff out there exactly we put it it's not we care all about SEO, this and it's right? like you know a piece of you that you're putting out there yeah, you know? yeah exactly so no great well thank you so much for coming on and thank you uh mr grumpy can accept everybody's pr at some point <laughs> that's right thanks again <laughs> yeah right. thanks so much for having us here it's been yeah. great all right it's, it's been really great. fun <laughs> all right.